Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. So glad to be back doing these shows and so glad to be sitting across the table from Dr. Neil Barnard. You've got this new book out, The Cookbook for Reversing Diabetes. I'm really excited to talk about this. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chuck. It's great to be with you. You know, for so long, we hear about diabetes and Nobody thinks that you can reverse it. We see all of these advertisements for all of these medications to manage it. But here we are with the cookbook in front of us that outlines that, yes, it's possible to reverse diabetes. You turn on the TV, and there are so many commercials for Invokana and you know, so, so many other uh, drugs for diabetes, and they don't want you to reverse it. Mm. They want you to enjoy it. You know, diabetes is cool. You see people sort of... Uh, walking down the road with a lilt in their step because they've got diabetes and they're on a new medication. And the whole idea of the drug companies, their whole strategy, is to get you hooked on a medicine you need for the rest of your life. Mm. And that's how they're going to make money. And by the way, it's not only diabetes. It's statins for cholesterol and, and so many other drugs. But that's the whole idea. When we started our research on this, it was not entirely clear that you could reverse diabetes. Right. Um, so uh, we've done a major 180 in this disease, and instead of it being viewed as a progressive disease that has to get worse, and that's just the way it's going to be, and you use medications to try to hold back time, it's the opposite. It's something that we've gotten ourselves into, and something that we can get ourselves out of, at least to a degree, particularly when you catch it early. Yeah, and and that's something that I definitely want to talk with you about down the line, because, you know, diabetes, I'm sure that, you know, there are very few families in this country where diabetes is not, you know, a problem. Somebody somewhere, even if it's a second cousin once removed, no doubt has this disease. I mean, it's just, it's, it's rampant. But there are various types of diabetes, and I think that there are a lot of people that don't necessarily know the distinction right. between type 1 and type 2. So what, what are the differences there? Okay, type 1, not so common. Um, this is the one that usually manifests in childhood or early adulthood. And in type 1 diabetes, the cells that are in the pancreas that, that make insulin, and the, what their, their job is they make insulin, which is like a key that helps sugar to get into your cells where it can do some good. Um, those cells in the pancreas that make insulin are dead. Mm. They've been killed off. Um, type 2 is different. Type 2 is much more common. It's more than 90% of people. usually manifests in adults, Al- although nowadays things are changing. You can be 16 years old. And, we, get to, and get to type 2. Yeah, we have seen a, an increase in, in juvenile diabetes. Uh, is that a product of, again, you know, that marketing, not for the medication, but certainly for those, um, you know, unhealthy foods, the fast foods? Is it just, you know, a byproduct of the standard American diet, basically? Um, it's the, yes, it's a byproduct of the ever worsening American diet. <laughs> I kind of wish it was a standard diet, but it's getting worse and worse um, day by day. And, and in type 2 diabetes, the difference is the pancreas still makes insulin, and the insulin gets in the blood, and insulin is kind of like a key that attaches to the muscle cells, liver cells. Um, it opens up the cell membrane to allow glucose inside. Mm. And so if you've got diabetes, you've got too much glucose or sugar. Uh, glucose is a type of sugar. It's building up in the blood where it's not doing any good. Right. If it can get into the muscles, it's fuel for the muscles. It can go to the brain. If it can go to, to other places, it's fuel for those cells. Um, and in type 2, it, it just can't get in. Um, okay. so, so that's what we call insulin resistance. The cell is, is resisting. There's a third type, uh, gestational. 
That's when a woman is pregnant. Okay. Um, she can get uh, diabetes. It's very much like type 2. And if a woman has gestational diabetes, typically goes away when the pregnancy is no, when she's no longer pregnant. But it's a sign that type 2 is waiting in her future mm. unless she makes some changes. Again, based on diet primarily, I'm assuming? Based on diet, yeah. Um, so diabetes, blood sugar, you think sugar, diabetes has to be caused by candy, by sweets and things yes. like that. But according to your research, they aren't really the culprits here, are they? That's right. Um, the, it, it's understandable that people would think that because diabetes really means there's too much sugar in your blood, too much glucose. So people would understandably think, okay, um, I ate too much sugar. I've been eating too much sugar. They'll all say the same. I'm a sugar addict, you know, da-da-da. So I got too much sugar in my blood. And if only I didn't do that, I wouldn't have gotten diabetes. And now that I've got diabetes, if I stop eating sugar, it should go away. Mm-hmm. But they discover it doesn't go away. Um, and as we, as we were saying earlier, the body is designed to work on glucose. It's your fuel. It's the same way as your car runs on gasoline, your body runs on, on sugar. The problem in diabetes isn't that you're having foods that release sugar into the blood. The problem is your body can't use it. It can't get it out of the blood into the cell. And if it could do that, it's going to work. So think of it with your car. Um, your car needs gasoline. And if the, if the gasoline, for some reason, isn't getting into the engine, um, this is not a time to not have gasoline anymore. It's time <laughs> right. to fix what's going on in there. Right. So if we can fix what's going on in your body, uh, you should be able to handle carbohydrates uh, okay. Let's talk about this study. Uh, I believe you conducted it in 2006 uh, with some others here at the Physicians Committee, and you found a strong link, not not just, you know, a link, but a strong link to a uh, plant-based, low-fat diet and lower glycemic levels. Um, talk to me a little bit about this study. How, how was it conducted? Double-blind? Um, this was a study funded by the National Institutes of Health, and we had, we had done prior studies. Um, on showing that a vegan diet would help people lose weight, right. that it would help uh, their body to respond to insulin better. And we'd done a small study with our friends at Georgetown University um, looking at people who had type 2 diabetes, and a vegan diet looked really good, but it was a small number of people. Mm-hmm. So what, what NIH funded us to do was to bring in a larger group of people, half of them going on what you might think of as a conventional diet where you're counting carbohydrate grams and cutting calories to lose weight and that kind of it's sort of standard practice. Sure. And then the experimental program was vegan, meaning no animal products. But it was two other things. Not only was it not only did we leave animal products out, so that's a vegan diet. It was also low in fat, so we we, we taught people how to cook without adding oil to things. Um, and the third thing was we helped them to pick their carbohydrate containing foods using something called the glycemic index and we can come up come back to that but three points no animal products keep oils low and use the glycemic index or the gi um and as you said um the results were uh mind-blowing when you looked at people who who they were not they were not changing their exercise when you looked at the people who didn't change their medication use at all um some people had to come off their medication, but when we looked at people who kept everything constant, the improvement in hemoglobin A1C, which is the marker we use for blood sugar control, it was three times better wow. in the vegan group than the other group. In fact, it was better than any oral medication. It was better than any prescription you could um, fill for any kind of oral 
diabetes medication. And this was from eating asparagus and beans and rice and bread and peaches and just normal food right? Um, without medication. And people did just fantastic. And, and the higher, the, the more out of control they were coming in, the more dramatic the effect. Um, and we started at that point. This was 2003 when that study began. And it was 2006 when we published the first results. And we started to see diabetes going away, which just... I was maybe not really prepared for that. I, we, we were not. That was not the goal of the study. Sure. The goal was just to see how much blood sugars could improve. I didn't want to get people off their medicines. I didn't want to change anything. I just wanted to see how much can they improve. But we had people where they had to reduce their medications for safety or get off them, and their blood sugars would improve so much um, that we started to see people who didn't have diabetes anymore. And that was... Uh, quite a new experience for me. Yeah, that's that's a pretty powerful oh wow moment. I mean, especially not having it sounds like these type of expectations coming in. What were your specific expectations? Because you did have that small sample study before you did this big one with NIH. I mean, was this literally like kind of knock your socks off? Like, holy cow, we're really onto something here. Um, That's what it became. Um, We we, we went into it um, in a very open-minded way. We wanted to really see what the diet would do, and we wanted to have it be a very fair test, and we wanted to really help people to adhere to both diets um, to see. And, and people in both diets did well. They, they really did. Um, and, and by the way, when, when you do a study, you know, you have to have people teaching a vegan diet who do a vegan diet mm-hmm. because otherwise they don't know, you know, what do you order at Taco Bell? I mean, they're not going to answer your questions. <laughs> but for the conventional diet, you have to have the people teaching it be people who believe in that diet right? because they know the answers to the questions. Um, so that's what we did, and we hired a terrific team for both diets, and they and, and people were did a good job. But I have to say, having finished it, um, I really cannot see the point of any kind of diet that includes cheese or meat or even small amounts of it. You know, get rid of it so that you can have a really powerful diet. Yeah, that was one of the questions I actually wanted to ask uh, of you. Is uh, you know. It, I would assume the more strict and stringent you are about making sure that you follow, you know, this whole food, plant-based diet, zero animal product, the better your results are going to be. Right. Have you seen, you know, kind of the effect of somebody that's, you know, we'll call them a five-day vegan, and, you know, on the weekends they kind of go hog wild. Were you able to track anything like that? Uh, yeah. Um, you, you, will, you, will, you, will, you'll see this with weight. You'll see it with diabetes, uh, their blood sugar control. You'll see it with... Um, their cholesterol control is when if a person really follows it, they're going to do well. Um, if they start with any kind of wishful thinking, thinking, all right, I can have a steak on the weekend, mm-hmm. their progress grinds to a halt. Wow. Their weight loss stops. They're going to start putting it back. And, and think about this. As an, as an analogy, let's say you're a smoker. Mm-hmm. And you've got chronic bronchitis, and, and if you look into the lungs, they're inflamed. Um, you've got COPD and all this. Kind of, you may not have lung cancer, but your lungs are, are hurting. And your doctor says, I think you should quit. And you do. And you, you discover that your lungs are starting to clean themselves out. But then after a while, you think, hey, you're at a party. You think, how much can it hurt me to have a cigarette you know, on the weekend, two, right. two or three? Well, maybe not much, but your lungs are already fragile. They're already being harmed by this. And it, it, now it does not take that much for you to keep that harm um, continuing to progress. So if you've got diabetes um, or if you have narrowed arteries or something, like that, you, you need to 
set aside completely the things that are ca- that, that cause that disease in the first place if you want to heal. Let's say um, you pick at your skin a little bit. Fine. Nothing much is going to happen. But if I have a gaping wound there and I'm trying to let it heal and I pick at it just a little bit, it's never going to heal. Right. So um, if a person is doing something like a vegan diet, they are – First of all, they're not loving themselves enough. <laughs> Blind, <laughs> well blind, blindness, amputations, loss of kidney functions, and loss of at least a decade of life. Wow. That's what diabetes brings to the average person who's got it. A decade. Yeah. That's, that's substantial. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't mean to say everyone goes, goes blind, everyone gets amputations, so forth, but, but this is the number one cause of it. And the average person does lose more than a decade. Yeah. However... Um, Pick up a book. Make these recipes. Um, and it doesn't have to be my book. There are now many people who are going in the same direction. Um, you can turn this around. And the sooner you get to it and the more complete you do it, the more you're going to live a total, totally healthy life, a uh, totally normal life. And there's no reason not to give that to yourself. And also the other part, the other part of it is um, I used to smoke cigarettes. Did you really? Yes, I did. No. I, I know I'm descending in your estimation. Are you kidding me right now? When I, was, uh, when I was a resident in the hospital at GW, I would stop by our gift shop, and I would buy Merit menthols, and I would light them up, and my head of surgery was there buying Marlboros, and we could smoke walking down the hallway of the hospital on the way to the doctor's lounge where it was like Pittsburgh's worst nightmares. Yeah. You know? Now, we weren't stupid. Um, we knew that you had to you had to. We, we knew that cigarettes caused cancer, sure. but we also knew it took a long time to get cancer. And as mm. long as I quit before too long, I'll be all right. I'm under stress now. So um, eventually we all did quit, of course. Right. But what I discovered in quitting smoking, a couple things. First of all, quitting smoking is hard. Going, to, going vegan is easy. Yeah. <laughs> I guess going vegan, I mean, there's stuff to eat, you know. Right. Um, with, with smoking, it's harder. So going vegan is much, is much easier. The other thing I discovered is that you can cut down. But if you cut down then you're always reawakening that desire for the cigarette. If you just say, look, leave me alone, and you forget about it, after a period of time, you're not thinking about it so much, and it's not calling your name. And in other words, it's easier to just take things that are harmful to you and just leave them out rather than tempt yourself with a little bit every now and then. So, so a person who says, okay, i got diabetes, I'd like to lose weight and whatever, but I'm just going to do this in moderation. I'll do it 90% or whatever. That's a person who is teasing themselves and reawakening their desire for something that doesn't love them back. And it's so much easier to just build a fence. Now, I'm a kid of the 60s. And in the 1960s, we hated rules. We didn't want rules about what we would dress. We didn't want rules about, about like anything. Rebel. Well, you know, and I mean, kids are always like that, but, you know, especially in that era. And so I'm a little allergic to rules, but i got to tell you, there are some times when you want to build a wall between you and an unhealthy food. Right. I shouldn't use the word wall because that, that's such a loaded term. Now. Forget I said that. I'm going to build some barrier between me and something that's going to hurt me. I see. Okay. Um, you're a funny guy. Yeah, anyway, you got, you got my point. Um, don't tease yourself with something that's going to hurt you. Right. It's something you're trying to get away from. It is way easier to just get away from it. Cards on the table. You know, you, you're not the only ex-smoker in this room. I was a two-pack-a-day guy uh, back when I was still 400 pounds. Chuck, I'm so disappointed. I only smoked one. Ah, well, <laughs> I mean, they got so expensive. I mean, I, I didn't just quit for health reasons. I mean, the, yeah. the price went there so high. I mean, I was ordering mine off the Internet at one point, getting them in cheap from Europe. I mean, God only knows what was in those things. But um, You know, but but you know, we've all done all kinds of yeah. dumb things in our lives. And there are addictions. Of, and I'm going to use addiction with a small a. Because it can be food, it can be sugar, it can be alcohol, it can be 
anything. People tend to, to, to get stu- hooked on stuff. Yeah. And it's and I, I don't think it's some people. I think it's everybody gets kind of hooked on something. Sure. Um, and if it's not hurting you at all, and it's not hurting anybody else, who cares? Amen to that. But on the other hand, if you're if you're into something that's taking risks with your health, that you're paying a price for it, or it's coming into your life and it's going to affect other people in your family, or something like that, it's better to just say goodbye. Um, and inevitably, it is something that wasn't really enriching your life anyway. Mm. It just kind of seduced you for a while. I want to go back to the study because one of the things that really jumped out at me uh, when I was reading up about it, and, and I think that a lot of people are going to be like, hallelujah, when they hear this. So with this, you're not really counting calories. You know, you're not reducing your carbs. You're actually eating more carbs, and right. you don't really have to necessarily watch what you eat, correct? Exactly. Um, the, the, when we did this study, and to some extent even today, conventional diabetes teaching says, you're overweight, you got to cut calories. Right. And so, all right, how much do you eat in a, week, in a, in a day? I eat 2,000 calories. Okay, here's your menu, um, and it adds up to only 1,500. So mm-hmm. I'm subtracting 500 calories a day. Go to bed hungry. Uh, by nice. about Wednesday, you are ready to eat the sofa. <laughs> um, the other thing is the whole idea of limiting carbs. Um, so people have to add up their carbohydrate grams. They have to they have to look at everything they're eating, and it's, it becomes tedious. And we say, forget that. What is what is my goal? Um, my goal. Maybe we should take a, a minute or so to kind of maybe talk about the rationale why this vegan diet works. Because, by all means, because that, that that will explain why you don't need to car- count carb grams. Talk to me. Um, because what you're saying is right. We don't count carb grams. We let people eat more carbs than they're eating before. Um, they're going to be healthy foods, but but there's more of it. Um, at Yale University, researchers Jerry Shulman and Kit Peterson and their teams did something that was groundbreaking. Using uh, MR spectroscopy, uh, anybody who's had an MRI, it's a big magnetic device that you go in the middle of this donut and it clanks around and it, it can look into your liver, it can look into your joints. That's MRI. Um, magnetic resonance spectroscopy looks into your muscles or into your liver and it's looking inside the cells and what I can find, you might be 15 years old but if you're starting to get insulin resistance I can see why Mm. I I can see what's happening, I can see what's happening inside your cells and what I'm seeing is you've got fat buildup inside your this this is not belly fat this is fat inside your muscle cells hmm. now that's a, a new idea for people right you can see it on MR spectroscopy you can see the build of a fat in their muscle cells also in their liver cells that stops their insulin from being able to work so let me piece this together if I diagnose you as having diabetes all I'm saying is you got too much sugar in your blood that sugar is not poison that sugar is a good thing because it's trying to power your muscles but it can't get in your muscles. That's what diabetes is all about. It's not getting inside the muscle cell. If it's type 1 diabetes, your body isn't making the insulin that lets it in. If you've got type 2 diabetes, your body is resisting the insulin, so the sugar builds up in the blood. So what's the deal? The cells are filled with fat, little fat particles inside the muscle cells and the liver cells. That buildup of fat stops insulin from working. So what I've got to do is take the animal fat out of your diet, vegan diet, there's no animal fat left. If I keep vegetable oils low too, the fat starts draining out of the cell, and suddenly the sugar can get in, and your diabetes goes away. And your doctor says, what is this? I've never heard of this. How can your diabetes possibly go away? It's very simple. The fat inside the cells 
is draining away. The insulin starts to be able to work again because it's not, the fat is not gumming up the cell anymore. And the blood sugar drops, and it drops, and it drops, and it drops. And the patient doesn't need so much medication. Eventually, they get off all their medications in some cases. And if all goes well, their diabetes just flat out reverses. Uh, let's, let's talk about um – well, actually, let's let's put a bow on this study that you did. Uh, another thing that jumped out to me is that you did not have the participants increase their exercise level. So right. everything that we're talking about here is just based pretty much 100% on diet. Yeah, much as we love exercise, in a, in a research study where we're trying to zero in on what the food will do, we don't let our patients change their exercise. So don't change your medicine, don't change your exercise, don't change anything except the diet, and we're going to see what the diet will do. Uh, glycemic index, we wanted to circle back to that. Um, right. Let's bounce around. Talk to me. What is the glycemic index? Why is okay. that important? All right. It's the third thing. The first thing is vegan. Okay. Se- the, the second thing is low fat. So so keep oils low. Right. And the glycemic index is number three. Okay. And the reason I put that is I don't think it's as important as the others. But none- nonetheless, here's what it is. It was invented by a great researcher named David Jenkins at the University of Toronto in 1981. And what he did is he brought in volunteers and he gave them portions of a lot of different foods and then he measured their blood sugars and he found out that white bread makes your blood sugar rise pretty pretty steeply sure uh, rye bread not so steep pumpernickel even less um, if I have um, a typical cold cereal like you might a kid's ch- children's cereal mm-hmm. uh, makes my blood sugar rise a lot especially if it's got a toy inside <laughs> um, if it's oatmeal brand cereal not so much and so he called this the glycemic index a glycemic index, if it's high GI, high glycemic index, makes your blood sugar spike. If it's low glycemic index, it's more gentle. So I can have a high-carbohydrate food, a lot of carbohydrate, that doesn't really spike my blood sugar too much. I'm talking about beans mm-hmm. or sweet potatoes. They really don't have that. I mean, they'll make your blood sugar rise a little bit, but not so much. On the other hand, if I have pure sugar or white bread, blood sugar goes up. So what we're saying is let's just make some simple substitutions and it's like really easy. You don't have to go online. You don't have to look up the glycemic index of things because you will go nuts because there are a million charts. They don't really agree with each other. Here's what you got to know. White bread and even other wheat breads tend to raise blood sugar whereas rye and pumpernickel less. That's thing number one. White potatoes raise your blood sugar. They're high GI. Sweet potatoes less. Good. We already indicted the cold cereals. Right. Um, so uh, bran cereal is better and oatmeal is better. Um, sh- pure sugar, raise it, you know, raise the blood sugar. Right. Uh, fruit is sweet, but it, it doesn't raise your blood sugar so much. That's all you need to know. And, and that's something that I've always wondered because you do, you know, fruit has a lot of natural sugar. I mm-hmm. love pineapple. I'm not shy about that. I will eat it whenever it's in front of me. Uh, is there such a thing as eating too much fruit? Like, it, can a person possibly, possibly, I mean, come close to increasing their chances of becoming diabetic by being like a fruititarian, if you will? I don't think so. Um, Now, if a person has diabetes, anything they eat will make their blood sugar rise. Right. Because, remember, their cells are filled with fat. The sugar can't go into the cells very effectively. And so anything they eat, whether it's pineapple or bread or even beans, they'll discover their blood sugar rises. So what what we say is, okay, vegan, low fat, low glycemic index, stick with it. For the first few days, your blood sugar will rise. But as the fat is draining out of your cells, then the sugar get it, can get in. So so you say the first few days, I would imagine then that all of the results, the good stuff that comes with this diet, you see it pretty quickly, correct? Yeah. Now, everybody's different. But the blood sh- 
for some people, their blood sugar drops on day one. Mm-hmm. For others, it takes three or four days. Um, rarely does it take more than a week before it starts to coming down. Uh, weight starts to drop within the first right, right away within the first week, and, and that's that's not a big surprise because you're everything you're eating is a plant. Yeah. Um, Every mouthful has fiber in it. Fiber has no calories, but it, it, we, we've talked about this before. It fills you up, and it just makes you push away from the table. So right. people lose weight very uniformly unless unless they eat oily foods. Aha! Uh-huh. Nuts, avocados, oil itself, you know, it's drizzling the oil all over your salad. The oils are really calorie dense. So even the naturally occurring oils, like if somebody was just to eat an avocado, just put those slices on there, is that as detrimental as using, say, a sprinkle of olive oil on top of the salad? Um, If, keep in mind what we're trying to do. If my cells are filled with fat and so my insulin isn't working anymore, I want to keep all fats really low, including olive oil, including extra virgin olive oil, um, all the fancy ones, including guacamole, and I know I'm breaking people's hearts by saying this. Um, but it's really just oils, nuts, avocados. That's really kind of it. Um, and that's my goal. If you're young and you're healthy and weight isn't an issue for you, I'm not so worried about your having nuts and avocados and stuff like that. But but if I'm trying to reverse your diabetes, I'm taking them out. Right. Um, the, the people that you've worked with in the past, what was the quickest – this may be difficult for you to to recall, but what was the quickest you've ever seen somebody able to come off of all of their medications? Well, you know, everyone's different. Some people come to us, they're not on medication. Right. You know, they haven't been on it yet. Or some are just on metformin, which is usually the first drug that's that's used. There are some people who are on many different medications. And I, I don't try to hurry them um, because there's a, there's there's a kind of a contrary issue. As eager as I am, to not have everybody be medicated, there's something I call the hallelujah phenomenon, which is somebody goes, hallelujah, I'm vegan. I don't need anything anymore. I, I can throw all my medicines away. Doc, I don't need you anymore. Wait, 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 wait. Stop that. You're sick. You got a condition. Just stay on your medications for now. Let's change your diet and let's back you down from the medications as time goes on. One big exception I would make, if you've got somebody really that you're really monitoring closely, John McDougall will do this on the West Coast, where he'll, he'll stop all the oral medications uh, right away because he's watching these people, mm-hmm. and they're eating so well. Um, they just don't need them anymore. Um, so, but I encourage people to really work on their diet and, then, and make sure that they know how to call you right? because they are going to get – their blood sugar is going to drop. Very quickly. Right. And if they don't back off their medicines, the combined effect of a really good diet and powerful medicines is your blood sugar can go too low. So it sounds like it's pretty important if somebody picks up a copy of uh, your cookbook here that they also work with their primary care physician as they're starting to go through this process. Absolutely. Several things happen. Right away, this can happen in the first week, uh, especially for people on insulin or a category of drugs called sulfonylureas. Uh, they'll wake up one day. They're shaky. They're sweaty. They're, uh, they're starting to feel nervous. Um, and their, their stomach is growling. They're really hungry. And they do a, a finger stick, and they check their blood sugar, and it's 55. Mm. Their, their blood sugar is really low. Um, so that's, that's not caused by the diet. That's caused by the drugs that they used to need, but now they need less. 
So that person's – and I, well, we talk about this in, in these books, so how to handle hypoglycemia. But your doctor at that point is going to say, congratulations, you're getting a lot healthier. You don't need so much medication, so you're on 20 units of insulin. Let's bring you down to 16 or whatever. And three days later, it happens again. And so they're just inching down on their drugs. Um, secondly, their blood pressure starts to come down. As their blood pressure comes down, one day you're sitting in a chair, and you get up after the TV show, and you're suddenly really lightheaded. Mm-hmm. Well. As you've been losing weight, your blood pressure has been coming down. Healthy foods make your blood pressure come down too. Your blood isn't as thick, so your heart doesn't have to push as hard. But you're still taking all those antihypertensive drugs your, your, your doctor gave you. Suddenly, your blood, sugar's really low, uh, your blood pressure is really low. And so your doctor says, congratulations, let's stop, <laughs> let's stop those too. And so what, us- what usually happens is people's need for medication just goes down and down and down. They're just throwing their, their pills away. And, of course, they're thrilled. Right. Of course. Who because, wouldn't they? Well, less cost, less side effects, less feeling like you're tethered mm-hmm. to, to these things. A little more hope. Yeah. Um, here's one. I think that we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. So let's say somebody's had diabetes for a decade or longer. Um, how do they react to this plant-based, low-fat, low-oil, no-oil diet, how do their results tend to differ from somebody who has just been diagnosed with diabetes or is pre-diabetic? Okay. Um, when a person starts out with insulin resistance, this is the fat-filled muscle cells, mm-hmm. so the sugar can't get in, um, their pancreas responds by cranking out more insulin and more insulin and more insulin. And something happens so that the pancreas starts to wear out. And when a person has been diagnosed, they've typically had diabetes without knowing it for Mm. several years. So their pancreas is not what it was. And so the longer they go without changing their diet, the harder it is to make the disease go away. So if I get a person when – if if somebody has prediabetes, I mean, you're going to do great. Right. You know, that person, you can can make that condition go away and you can prevent the diabetes from happening in – in just a huge number of cases. Um, if a person has, has had diabetes for five, six, seven, eight years, it's not at all uncommon that they will improve it dramatically, make it go away in many cases. If a person's had it for, I would say, 25, 30 years, um, my expectations are less. Um, they, they will still improve. You can prevent the complications, but I may still have to give you some uh, insulin because your pancreas is, has been beaten up pretty badly. Now, having said all that, Chuck, we just published uh, a paper where we looked at the beta cells in the pancreas, and they start to improve their function with a plant-based diet. So um, they've been beaten up pretty badly by the disease process, but even they can bounce back to a degree. I love that. I just published the paper. That's the cool thing about working here is there is mm-hmm. always something in the pipeline. This yep. is, man, it's like going to school well, every day. Well, this is the greatest thing in the world because up until now we were thinking, all right, diabetes means your, your cells are insulin resistant. That's the fat inside the cell. I know I can fix that. And a vegan diet's great. But the thing we didn't anticipate is that the other piece of it, the cells that are making the insulin, they can rejuvenate to a degree. Hmm. So that was completely new and completely novel. And I don't yet know how far that can go. So we're continuing to explore that. But um, these are the two pieces of type 2 diabetes. And, you know, another thing with this is cholesterol. I mean, that just plummets on this kind of diet, does it not? Well, yeah, better than any other diet. Yeah. Um, Because you're not eating any animal products. You're not eating any cholesterol. You're not eating any animal fat. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's better by far than, than any other diet for cholesterol control. 
Lay question. Have any foods been proven to be more effective than others? Specific, like, you know, are carrots more effective than apples? Something to that degree. Yes. Um, for Well, for cholesterol control, there are certain foods that are not just free of cholesterol and free of animal fat. They have special um, cholesterol-lowering properties, mm-hmm. and there are several of them, uh, certain nuts. Now, despite all the bad things I said about nuts and their, their effect on weight, uh, almonds, uh, walnuts, some others do tend to lower cholesterol. Um, be careful about them if weight is an issue, if right. diabetes is an issue. Um, soy products, for some reason, tend to have a cholesterol-lowering effect. You already know that oats lower cholesterol. Every commercial says, oats will lower your cholesterol about 4%. Um, that's because of the soluble fiber, and, and they are cholesterol-lowering. And then there are certain things called sterols and stanols that are in some natural plant oils in tiny traces, and they tend to interfere with cholesterol absorption, and they, they will also um, lower your cholesterol a little bit. So David Jenkins, again, who did the glycemic index, mm-hmm. um, real genius, he took a whole bunch of people at high cholesterol, put all of these cholesterol-lowering foods in the diet at the same time, like the sterols and stanols and soy and, and so forth. And he was able to lower bad cholesterol by 30% in four weeks. Wow. Which it, it was the same, basically like taking a statin drug. Um, but you do it with food. So, yeah. So if you're going to introduce those nuts in serious moderation, if you're able to, if, if weight isn't an issue, one of the things that I found is that you need to look specifically for dry roasted because they add oil to yeah. almost anything. I remember um, being shocked not that long ago when I looked at the back of a pack of raisins and they had added oil to that. And I'm trying to figure out why. Why would you want to add oil to that? Uh, they do it for taste. Um, but let me go back to what I said earlier, which is if a person is really trying to reverse their diabetes, even the dry roasted peanuts, they, there's fat even in the nut and a lot of it. And they are so addicting, people can't limit it. But you asked me about special foods. And yeah. l- let me raise a couple of others. Um, when I'm thinking about vegetables, they're all good. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I like to play a little kind of culinary trick, which is when I was a kid growing up, I don't know if this was the way it was for you, Chuck. Vegetables were an afterthought, and you had one off to the side. <laughs> yep. um, instead, put them in the center and have two or more. And let's say you have green vegetables, like kale or spinach or broccoli or whatever. Also have an orange vegetable going along with it, like sweet potatoes or carrots. The orange ones have beta carotene, very powerful antioxidants. The green ones, uh, they have calcium and a lot of other healthy antioxidants, too. You're getting this really great one-two punch. Greens and oranges go great together. Um, when it's when we're talking about the grain grain groups, um, the whole grains are always better. So brown rice better than white rice. White rice is not terrible. Not the, not the same as white bread. Not on that same level. Right. Okay. Um, if you're at a, a Chinese restaurant and they're going to give you white rice with your entree, have it. You know, um, it's it beats the socks off spam or bacon or you know all these other <laughs> other foods, but Brown rice is better than white rice because that tan coating that makes it brown, that's all the fiber. Um, so have that. That's good. Uh, here's – we're just talking about that. Your book, you list four helpful food groups, mm-hmm. not the food groups that we were you know, taught growing up. Um, what, what are they? Give, give me the four helpful okay. food groups. We mentioned a couple already, the vegetable group. Right. Also the fruit group. Mm-hmm. The legume group. Legumes just means things in a pod. Okay. Beans. 
peas, lentils. Okay, I'm going to call them legumes, but you can say beans. Um, and then the whole grain group. So vegetables, fruits, legumes, whole grains. Um, if you consume these foods, you'll get loads of protein. you get loads of calcium, green leafy vegetables, mm-hmm. very high in calcium. Um, you'll get really, really good nutrition. Add to it, uh, think about two supplements. One, vitamin B12. Right. Everybody needs it for healthy nerves, healthy blood. You should supplement it. It's in every multiple vitamin. But if you don't take multiple vitamins, you, you just get B12. Right. Um, vitamin D, unless you live in Florida or California or tropical Africa, uh, sunlight on your skin is nature's idea for giving you vitamin D. But because we had the bad judgment to move to places like Fargo, where I grew up, um, or New Jersey, um, you're just not out in the sun very much. And so you need supplemental vitamin D. Okay. Interesting. And that's that's it. You know, I'm not here to hawk supplements. I, I don't think people should be taking um, supplements, but B12 for everybody, vitamin D if you're not getting sun, that's it. Okay. And and the food should take care of the rest. So, and, the- Well, yeah, not only does the food take care of the rest, it takes care of the rest better than, than, than uh, pills will. And I'll give you two quick examples. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a study a number of years ago looking at beta-carotene pills. Beta-carotene is the... the the orange color in the sweet potato right. uh, or in carrots. If you, if you consume carrots and sweet potatoes, your cancer risk drops. If you take the pill, your cancer risk can rise because if you're pulling out just beta-carotene and you're taking a huge amount as a pill, your body reduces its absorption of all the other natural carotenoids that are in foods. If you take vitamin E as a pill, there are eight natural forms of vitamin E, but a pill might give you one, so when you take the pill... In large amounts, you're reducing your absorption of the others. So you don't want to do that. You want to get these foods. You want to have foods. You want to allow them to give you the nutrients in the natural balance that they had in mind. Going back to the uh, the food groups here, imagine that we've got ourselves a pie, all right? And we've got four uh, four food groups here. Are we talking about equal quadrants here? Or are we saying like, okay, vegetables get a little bit higher priority than legumes or fruits get a little bit higher priority than whole grains? Or are we talking about each one is equally important? When we present it in teaching, they're the same. But I allow people to interpret it any way they want. For example, uh, in Asian tradition, might really make uh, quite, a, quite a lot of use of grains. Lots of rice, mm-hmm. uh, some vegetables, not maybe not so many beans, for example, and not so many fruit, fruits. A person might say, I want to go raw, so I'm going to do lots of fruits. Uh, I'm not going to have much grains. Um, it's okay. Um, I'm Mediterranean. I do chickpeas. You know, I do fava beans and stuff. I'm big on the legumes. Okay. Um, you, you can interpret it in any way you want to, and you can, you'll discover that it drifts from day to day. But what they all have in common is the animal products are out. Um, we're keeping the oils really low. All the foods are really high in fiber. Now then, in the introduction of Dr. Neil Barnard's cookbook for reversing diabetes, uh, it also makes mention of raw foods. So how do they factor in? I would imagine just more nutrients there. You haven't cooked them out. Yeah, I think of raw as extra credit. Okay. Um, when people go to a diet that is high in cooked foods, but it's vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, are healthy for food groups, they do great. They do really well, and when we did our work for NIH, um, that's what people were eating. However, I have been impressed by the fact that when people eat more and more raw foods and incorporate them into their routine, their weight loss is stronger and faster. Um, Their health is often better. The only caveat I have to that is, um, although I'm quite prepared to believe that human beings evolved without cooking, obviously. Right. You know, we ate raw food. I don't know what those foods were because we were in 
tropical Africa. Um, and we were not eating tomatoes because that's a new world food. Um, were we eating oranges? Were we eating apples? What, which foods were they? Um, many of the foods that are our staples now are new world foods, and we are old world, an old, old world species. So I'm not 100% sure what they are. Now, let's talk about the fun stuff here. You know, the the recipes in here, you've got 150 of them. And as you and I have talked about before, so often one of the first things people ask on a diet is, when will I be able to eat X again, whatever the case may be? And I remember it was last week, the week before, you were actually, you did a segment with my wife on the local ABC affiliate here. And one of the dishes was, for egg lovers, you had a tofu scramble. So doing yeah. this doesn't mean that you have to give up your favorites. Um, for Dr. Neil Barnard's cookbook for reversing diabetes. There you go. Um, it's got my name on the cover. However, I want to tip my hat to Drina. Dr- Drina Burton is a genius in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and she did all the recipes, and they are great. And, and by the way, there's pictures of them that are gorgeous, drop-dead beautiful. Um, aren't, you know, aren't they lovely? They are. Right? So, Who wouldn't want to eat that? Exactly. Who would not want to eat that? You could just tear that page out and stuff it in your mouth. <laughs> so anyway, um, some of the foods are kind of um, – healthy versions of all of our typical comfort foods. You know, you're scrambling some, something for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And you're eating sandwiches for lunch and chilies and, and kind of basic kind of stuff. And then there are some that are a little bit more adventurous, but we got 150 of them, so it's, it's um, going to really allow you to, to try whatever you want to. The, for the most part, the ingredients are not super adventurous right? Um, and not super numerous because um, – a vegan diet might make you healthier, but it's not going to change your personality. So if you are a little bit too impatient right now, I don't want to make you spend four hours being a junior gourmet. These are quick recipes. Sure. So anyway, Drina did a fabulous job. Um, the recipes are, are really, really good. And um, So here's my tip to listeners. Go to page 156 in the hardcover version. It's also available in uh, paperback there. Sun-dried pumpkin pesto pasta with fresh spinach. Let me tell you something. Drina here is forever endeared in my heart because that sounds like something I would eat every single day. That sounds incredible. And I'm looking at the ingredients list, and it really is simple here. And just for that pinch of sweetness, no sugar, just a couple of pitted dates. Yeah. Yeah. Drina did a a great job. By the way, uh, let me mention, these are two different books. Oh, Uh, are they now? This book. Forgive me, sir. No, this book, Dr. Neil Barnard's program. For reversing diabetes. Mm-hmm. This is a book that first came out in 2007 okay. with Rodale, and they said, time to update it. And so for 2018, we've got the newly updated book. This is all how to do it. And then the cook, and it, there are recipes in here too, but this this is Dr. Neil Barnard's program. That's Dr. Neil Barnard's cookbook uh-huh. for reversing diabetes. And that's the one that I did with Rena. They, they both came out the same day, uh-huh. brand new. Um, so this is the program for a person who wants more detailed information um, for doctors, for nurses, for dietitians, and, and just for people who really want all the details, how to deal with hypoglycemia and whatnot. This is the book that you want. Um, but the cookbook makes it seductive, i got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. You're right. It's it's very fun and nice. And both of these are available on Amazon, and uh, we'll also link off to this on pcrm.org slash podcast. Yep. And, again, you're just a wealth of information. You know, I've been wanting you to come back on and do an in-depth one since we did the cheese trap, mm-hmm. which – by the way, was one of our most listened to episodes. And so I'm really hoping and I expect that we're going to get kind of the same effect here for reversing diabetes. Well, I, I hope so. Because when you look at the, 
all the numbers on diabetes, they're getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Right. In the U.S., abroad, same story. We now have more information about diabetes than we ever had, including understanding the cause. Let's put that to work now. We need to educate physicians, first of all, because they have to get out of the 1950s. Mm -hmm. They have to understand that we now know what's going on in the cell, and we can design a diet to counteract that. So let's put that information to work. Let's conquer this, this epidemic so that as a country or as a world, we're getting healthier. But more importantly, this is an individual disease. Yeah. This is one person at a time. And if that one person is your spouse, your daughter, your son, your mother, your father, you don't want to fool around with it. You want to conquer it, and you want to conquer it now. We can do that. So I say let's put it to work. Absolutely. And, again, I will use the word hope because that's exactly what both of these books bring to the table. Uh, they bring hope, but they bring – but they – hopes, to, I think, yes. Yet, However, for many people, that's a far-off dream that eventually something's going to get better. I'm talking like the first week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is fast. So you put it to work. Do not fool around with it. Put it to work 100%. Um, make it work, and your life is going to change. Outstanding. Dr. Yeah. Barnard, thank you so very much for joining us. Sure. Thank you, Chuck. I can't wait to test out some of these recipes. You've been listening. I'll be right over. Yeah. <laughs> come, <laughs> come on over for dinner. We'll set an extra place. This is The Exam Room brought to you by the Physicians Committee.